Hello and welcome to Keeping It Real, where we're going to dive into the mysterious world of plastic surgery. My name's Alex and each episode I'm sitting down with the respected surgeons Dr Richard Bloom and Dr Kim Taylor from Replastic Surgery and we're going to ask all the hard questions that you want the answers to. Moist and not coming in saying I want to look like Posh Spice or Pamela Anderson. And so it can be quite life-changing for them and um, we see improvements in their self-esteem, their confidence. If someone's had good work done, then no, I don't, I don't believe it is obvious. If you're having a breast augmentation, you know, you don't want to be going to the plastic surgeon who does road trauma. It's a reality that plastic surgery is going to have an impact on your workout routine. But rather than giving up completely or going too hard and potentially ruining your post-surgery look, we're going to speak to Replastic Surgery's Dr Richard Bloom and also our special guest personal trainer Penny Jew from Fit Turak about how to get fit again and what exercises you can and can't do after going under the knife. So welcome Penny. Great, thank you. Thank you very much for joining us and Richard back again. Hi, Alex. Penny, let's just start with a little bit of working with patients that have had uh, plastic surgery. What are some of the things that they can't do when it comes to exercise? Basically, the first couple of weeks or the first six weeks, no sweating. So everything has to be very low key. Everything's just all about movement, getting blood flow, getting oxygen flow, because that's basically how we're going to start the recovery process. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to stay dead still for that period of time. And that was basically what Richard and I first came up with when we met and just said, like, why are we telling people that we can't, that they can't do anything for this period of time? So Mm. to expedite the recovery period, we need to get moving. And is there a general, do people want to get straight back into it and kind of, you know, lift weights and they shouldn't? Um, Richard? Oh, definitely. There are a lot of the patients that we see are totally addicted or into their exercise and often the thing they're most upset about is that we need to sort of pull it back a bit in the early stages but as Penny was just alluding to there's often things that people can do and I'll let her talk more to it there's often things that people can do to get moving and stay active because the last thing we want is for people to start putting on weight and losing muscle tone and losing fitness whilst they're recovering because all of those things are good for their recovery. And do you, Penny, start out, is it is it every patient's the same or is everyone different depending no, on what they No, absolutely not. Yeah, of course everyone's different um, because everyone's been doing different level of exercise before surgery as well, which is takes a massive part into it. So if they haven't been doing much at all, obviously it's going to have to be reined back in and yeah, we can't have people pulling up too sore and things like that after doing exercises that they're not used to doing. Yeah. Well, I guess let's get into it. Let's talk about breast surgery. What are some of the things that women can and can't do and after they've had breast surgery? So basically with what I'm trying to do for them is open up through through the chest. You'll find that patients obviously are automatically trying to protect themselves. So they'll roll the shoulders over, they'll bring their pelvis in underneath and almost be like in a crouched position to try and protect themselves. Mm-hmm. So we need to teach them that they can actually, they can stand up tall and they want we want them to stand up as tall as possible as soon as possible, mm-hmm. shoulders back and then start getting a bit of thoracic mobility, core activation again, and um, and even a little bit of glute. And how soon would people 
start coming into you? Generally, some like to come in even at the end of the first week. Our, we, our programming we've done in blocks of two weeks, so week two to four, four to six, and then six to eight. And mm. then after that, they're pretty ready to go on their own. Mm. And how often, Richard, do you commend that they get started? I'm pretty much happy for people to start doing Obviously, Penny's very experienced and she knows what to look for and what to avoid. So if someone feels comfortable to start early, then they're not going to cause any problem. It's it's Despite people being paranoid that stitches are going to come apart or their muscle will separate, it just doesn't happen. I've never seen it happen. Yep. But I think uh, Penny just touched on something that I think is really important. One of the other reasons that this we find this is so important and so helpful is that it, it avoids some of the secondary problems that people might develop because they are taking up unusual postures, they're bending forward, they're getting neck pain and shoulder pain that they don't really need to do. So what Penny tries to introduce is to let pe- make sure people understand that they can still stand up straight, they can hold their posture, they can work on their core and not develop some of these secondary problems. It's almost like you're getting rid of a bad habit before it even begins. Is that the case? Absolutely, yeah. And a lot of the stuff that we do, it's things that they probably should be doing anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I should probably be doing it. Now, I think we have mentioned in previous episodes that breast surgery is kind of one of the surgeries where your weight regime, as in your lifting weights regime, is never going to go back to normal. What do you recommend... Richard, for women that have, I, I just need to. I just need just a, a caveat. Caveat. <laughs> so uh, you've kind of bunched breast reduction and breast augmentation all in together, there, right. Alex. There so you go. This is reduction, why you're the expert. <laughs> correct. That's why I come along to these things. <laughs> so breast reduction, no interference with the muscle whatsoever. Breast implants, it's more variable. We. There are no studies really to show one way or the other. It's obviously, it would be impossible to design a study. We generally use a dual plane for putting the implant in, so it is partially under the muscle. And there are some really poor studies with small numbers that have looked at whether the implant has an impact on muscle strength. And if you do really, really fine motor testing, there's a sometimes a minor reduction in strength. But the other thing, and probably more importantly, is whether the muscle is having impact on the implant. So we generally will advise people having implants to stay away from doing bench presses and butterflies and things like that, which focus solely on the pectoralis muscle. But, I mean, just to explain how hard it would be to set up a study, you would need to have 50 women all with breast implants and on one side just do muscle exercise on one pectoralis and see if there's any difference long-term in the shape. So you can't really do a study to prove it one way or the other. Good to to be on the safe side. I think that's where most plastic surgeons end up sitting. We just sort of say, well, you've had this surgery, you've made this investment into your breast shape, maybe don't do anything that's going to potentially put that at risk. But is there other things that women can do, Penny, that are in this circumstance? Exactly. That's it. So there's always progressions and regressions. Mm -hmm. Like we see clients from, you know, kids through to 90-year-olds, 90-plus-year-olds. You know, we can always progress and regress something for every single client. There's no 
if you can't do a bench press, you do maybe like a slightly elevated more of a shoulder press. So bring more of the shoulder into it rather than the chest. So mm-hmm. simple change of angle can make all the difference. Mm. And do you think it's better for women that have had breast surgery to use their own body weight rather than an extra weight? Or do you think that you should you should be using an array of... Um, yeah, I would say definitely using an array. Yeah. yeah, you can't do all body weight exercise, particularly for upper body for women, because what else are they going to do? They're going to be doing push-ups. So yeah, we need yeah. to we need to bring additional <laughs> we need to use additional equipment. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, is there anything else about exercises for breasts that you want to mention? Nothing that I specifically thought of, but I think basically you just need to work on general slow progressions. Don't just rush in and and get straight into it. And that's a good thing about going and seeing a personal trainer is that you just get the confidence of what you can and can't do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of our clients and all of Richard's patients have come to us and they just feel much more confident in themselves doing things that are well educated and not just going haphazardly and then going and doing some damage. For many of our listeners, they might have obviously not been to you yet, Richard, but I guess they may not know that you actually work with Penny and you kind of have come together to create a program for your clients specifically for this. So can you tell me a little bit how that how that union happened and why it's important? Well, open disclosure, I am a, I'm Penny's favourite client. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm usually there uh, very early on a Friday morning. But yeah, we just got talking and our office is right next to to Penny's studio. And so Penny and I just chatted about how it might work and I'll I'll hand over to her and she can explain the details. Yes. So basically at Fit, most of our clients are referrals, either from Allied Health, um, word of mouth from other clients. 80% of them probably come in with injuries of some sort, whether it be hip, knee, shoulder, back, pre-surgery for knees, shoulders and things like that. So so basically everyone that we have come in has some sort of issues. We can't get to a certain point in our lives doing what we do without. Mm. Um, so a massive part of our clientele is rehab work. But then we... In fact, that that's how I started. Yeah, it, it was. I, I, had, yeah. I had surgeon's neck. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah, and so that's where that's where most people come from. And then we'd start with the very functional sort of training style, and then we add the traditional strength training with that combined together. And then people we fix them, and then they end up being long term clients. So, so some of Richard's patients that have been through, some of them have literally just done the rehab time, but then there's been others that have turned into long term clients, which has been great. Yeah. And I guess when Richard kind of, when the light bulb went off and he had a discussion with you, were you just like, of course, this makes total sense? Absolutely, yeah. I think his mother saw the thing first. Oh, your mum's a client too. <laughs> she can't, she can't um, bench press as much as me. No. Well, that's good. That's probably she a good thing. She can squat more though. <laughs> uh, but also, um, maybe also explain how the actual, the service works as well. So basically when um, when the, the patients see Richard before surgery, we give them a consultation. So we basically say complimentary consultation. We can do that either on the phone or in the studio. Come in, have a good chat and then work out from there if they think that it's for them. I think we've had a 100% success 
rate with that because everybody knows how important it is and everyone wants to get back as quickly as possible. We offer two versions of the program. You can either do it online. We've got it on USB sticks or we've got it on the YouTube channel. Uh, So they just basically log in, watch the video. It's all in real time. So they can actually, we are actually doing it with them. It's like as if they're doing a PT session in the room. Mm. And I know that you do have internet, um, no, sorry, not international, interstate clients, Richard. So that means that they can, just because they're not here, they're That's right. out. Yeah. yeah. And people don't even want to travel around town to do things. And particularly in that first couple of weeks after surgery, they not may not be able to drive and all that sort of thing. If they live close enough, great. And they come into the studio and we'll see them two or three times a week and do it. And they will still do some of the mobility stuff and all that at home as well. Mm-hmm. So um, anyone that comes in to see us at the studio as well, they also get the program on the disc to be able to take and, and do at home. Important to point out also, Kim's patients also do come and see you. And I think... yes. I think maybe one, maybe it's gone the other way one time where one of is it one of your clients has yes, yeah. then gone and seen Kim for surgery. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a very good relationship. Well, I think so we've gone through a little bit in terms of breast surgery, but one of the main things that I was thinking when we were planning this episode is what about running? Can you run after you've had breast surgery, tummy tuck? What's the Yeah, of course you can. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. (laughs) Um, Yes, and and again, it's just a matter of timing. If you were a runner previously, obviously you're going to be able to run sooner than somebody who wasn't a runner before, but there's nothing to say that somebody, because they've had a breast augmentation or a tummy tuck or anything like that, that they can't run. Mm. What's the recommendation of how soon they should be doing it? Uh, I would probably start maybe at about the eight-week mark, just, again, as if you're starting afresh. So maybe, you know, do two minutes running and then go for a little bit of a walk, two minutes run. And then, again, as if you're a new runner, just build it up and just see how your body reacts. Some people, you know, might get a little bit of tenderness or soreness. Okay, so just pull it back a little bit. Mm. The main part with that is the sweating and not doing that too early. Yeah. And what about in terms of bra support? Penny's definitely put that one on you, Richard. <laughs> well, as you know, Alex, all of our breast patients are supplied with a supportive bra, which gives, which is perfect for doing exercises, and they're reasonably fashionable. And so, we would recommend in the early stages, if you're going to do something that involves a little bit more, um, like running and jumping and things like that, to wear that bra. But then after six weeks, usually you can just go into just a regular sports bra. That also looks good. That also not not as not as not good as, good as, as yours. Bra, but <laughs> okay, still okay. Barely watch out. Well, how about we move on to tummies, tummies and lipo? What are the, what are the recommendations with exercise after you've had those kind of operations? I think at tummies, it's probably it's a longer recovery period for sure, and so there's a lot more limitation again. Your body's going to be your best guide. So if something is really painful, you prob- that's probably not the exercise you should be doing. But the tummy is more does take a little bit longer and Penny can go through the sorts of things that she, she does to try and get them going as well. Yeah. Um, with the breast, it was always the one to two week mark, like no problems. With the tummies, we found generally maybe three to four weeks and very, very gentle, so everything's supported. So you can do a lot of floor exercises or even on the bed just to get the core moving, but very, very gentle. When you talk about a floor exercise, you know, I would think that that's a stomach crunch. 
No. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> let's clarify what's, what four exercises you're looking So basically we're looking at keeping the lower back supported. Um, so always have pelvic tilt on, a uh, lot of glute bridges. So getting the, um, the glutes firing. So the stronger that your glutes are, the more support that you're going to have through the pelvic floor region. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like glute bridges. Um, you can use uh, resistance bands for crab walks, even just tiny little leg lifts and things like that to get the transfer. Are they the ones I break every week. <laughs> yeah. Richard has very strong glutes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like more functional kind of exercises at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. And much more fine motor skill. It's almost a little bit more physio based when you're talking about the abdominal. Great. And when do you progress? Generally, again, after about two weeks. Yep. Yeah. But ev- again, everyone's different. Some people fly through it. Depends on how strong their core and their glutes are before surgery. Mm-hmm. So, it, and in saying that, particularly with the abdominal surgery, the pre-surgery exercises are imperative as well. Right. Okay. Well, go into a little bit more about what people should be doing before. Which is probably what they should be doing every day anyway. Great. Yeah, everyone, you know, just... So what do I need to start yeah. doing now? <laughs> yeah. This is, she's not asking for the podcast. This is yeah, this personal. Is just this is me. personal. This is for me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, if, we, if you pick out anyone in the street, walking in the street, you can almost guarantee that they're going to have weak glutes, weak core and poor thoracic mobility. If we can fix those three things and if we start with those three things in a pretty good space you're much better better, better off in the long run. I think it's also important to understand, and I might have the terms wrong here, but sort of isometric contraction rather than yes. sort of actually lifting something heavy is yes. very helpful. Yeah, so time under tension. So the eccentric part of the of the movement rather than, and rather than the concentric. So if the boys are doing heavy bench lift, um, bench press and things like that, that's the concentric. But if they then slowed it down on the way back in the eccentric, so you think about time under tension of that muscle. So the same as if we do all of the, the glute work and the abdominal work, and you do it slowly or even static and actually hold and mm. it's it's not necessarily about the amount of reps or how fast you do it or sometimes actually going slower and generally particularly in these cases the slower you do it the better mm. well that actually brings up a, an interesting point because I think when we talk about tummy tucks and liposuction we usually think females women do you get a lot of men that are having these kind of surgeries as well we do we do it's not as common because they're not going through pregnancies so they're not having the, the muscle stretching and they often don't need a muscle repair interestingly. But after weight loss and things like that, we certainly do see males. I think you've had maybe a couple of male patients as well. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, does it differ? Do the rules differ between men and women? But it's everyone's the same. Exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Generally, the men have obviously got a bit more strength previously, Mm -hmm. but yeah, no, no different. And does it differ between uh, tummy tuck and lipo or is it generally the same? Oh, they'd be very different. Uh, Liposuction you would get back to normal mobility much quicker. And I don't think that uh, those sorts of patients probably would get as much benefit because they don't have as much downtime. But the tummy tuck ones, are, as we've said, are a little bit slower and, and do benefit from the muscle retraining. Mm. And so after a tummy tuck, Penny, how, how long would you say that it takes someone to be getting to where they can be pretty much you know, stomach crunches, long distance running back to where they were? Eight to ten weeks. Wow, that quick. Mm. But it's a progression. So you don't suddenly switch on at six to eight weeks. No, (laughs) No, you've got to do the build-up work to to do it. To get there. Yeah. 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 
And I think the other thing, and Penny may, may, may have had feedback about this, when people are start, do start going back to exercise after they've had a big surgery, they will notice more swelling. So that, that night or the next morning, you will be more swollen. And the reason for that is by doing the exercises, you're increasing the blood flow and all of the tissues, because they've all been interrupted, they're a little bit more leaky. So that blood that's rushing through whichever muscle or the soft tissues uh, leaks out into the soft tissues and then it takes a little bit of time to then get back into the circulation. And that's where wearing your garments and things like that or having a day off can be of benefit in getting back. It's not going to permanently cause swelling, but you might notice it after a more intensive workout. I feel as though that brings us to the end of today, but I just wanted to sum up, Penny, I guess the message that I kind of got from all this is that you got to put a lot of work in before as well as after, would that be? You don't have to, but your results are going to be better and your recovery is going to be quicker if you do. I 100% agree with that. Well, look, the reason this episode has come about is because lots of our listeners have written in and requested information specifically on this. So if you do have a question, head to our Instagram page or Facebook page, which is Girls, and just put your question up there and we'll get to a podcast on it as soon as we possibly can. Thank you so much for joining us, Thank Penny you. and Richard. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Keeping It Real. To keep up with our next episodes, go and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you have further questions or want to take the next step, visit www.replasticsurgery.com.au or follow Re on social media. Listener.